welcome to Fox Mandal podcast. We're excited to have you join us on this journey into the world of business and law. In each episode we bring you engaging conversations with influential leaders from diverse fields. The intent is to explore their fascinating journeys and insights to inspire and educate our listeners on the law and its various facets. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi everyone. In this episode we deep dive into the data protection laws in India especially the recently enacted Digital Personal Data Protection Act 2023 which is in India's landmark legislation governing the use and protection of personal data in the digital age although we are yet to see the guidelines and rules framed under various provisions of the act we intend to shed light on the act's strengths challenges and future trajectory i'm your host saurabh bindal partner at fox mandal associates and today we have the honor of hosting Mr Atul Kumar Mr Kumar in his capacity as a lead of government initiatives and global trade at the Data Security Council of India spearheads various government initiatives of national significance in cyber security Welcome to our podcast Mr Kumar Thank you Saurav thank you for having me here today So Mr Kumar as India continues to navigate the digital age the implementation of robust data protection laws is poised to play a pivotal role in fostering a secure and privacy conscious environment for its citizens and businesses alike what are your thoughts on it how do you see privacy as a concept being developed in india sure so say overall digitalization journey that india has seen especially in last one decade say overall for itits if you see we are the global hub right for outsourcing now we are emerging as a global hub for cyber as well especially from cyber security perspective so overall globe is perceiving us as a as a harbinger in the domain so from that perspective in in an ecosystem privacy has been a discussion agenda from a long time but as you rightly said last year it was a big milestone that we have achieved with this uh, act for data protection as data is taking central stage from citizen perspective for adopting this new gen kind of application new gen technologies and all kind of uh, uh, innovation and evolution happening in the domain is starting from the typical uh, user centric application to dpi digital public infrastructure which include upi and uh, all all those kind of applications so first and foremost thing for the citizen becomes the trust on those the infrastructure and privacy and the data protection plays a critical role to have the trust if we have trust on those thing because i am sharing so much data on those platforms if i have trust i'll be using it in more effective way second aspect is uh, now privacy is aligned with uh, or data is aligned with my reputation as an individual as well so from that perspective as well privacy is becoming quite an interesting and important thing for the individual typically we call it data principle right which and uh, data leakage data breaches may lead to various kind of harms so people are very concerned about it how are we going to share and how my data is getting processed and kept secured the third thing from the citizen perspective i look at if something goes wrong how will i manage my rights how i am going to uh get some redressal of my losses that has incurred from that perspective at a larger ecosystem level privacy has taken a central stage in the people are concerned about it in the ecosystem from the organization perspective as well the trust is important so as citizen wants the trust 
even organization want to have the trust from the people, the users, so that more and more people can come and onboard on their, those services and offerings. It is aligned with their reputation as well. Now it is becoming a kind of a parameter for the competitive edge, which is which is going to define their growth uh, in the business ecosystem. Also, when organizations are going global, growing their uh, this business footprints, the privacy and the data protection also comes into the play because different or not just Indian ecosystem, global ecosystem is quite pertinent about uh, privacy regime. So at an organization level also, what we have seen uh, from GSI perspective or overall in an, eco in an ecosystem, now large organizations differently and even in smaller organizations working on the data-centric elements, they are focusing significantly on the data privacy as a domain. So that change we have seen in last couple of years significantly. Last point here, what I'll talk about is uh, the citizen and the organizational perspective is definitely important, but at a national level as well. Say, India is a global hub for IT, ITS outsourcing, right? And as I said, it is emerging as a global hub for cyber as well. Now, we need global trust, not specific to one organization and one individual, it's at a national level. And these regime like DBDPA and uh, certain other rele uh, relevant laws, that gives confidence at a global level as well that this is a secure destination for us to do business. And those things with this DPDPA and uh, similar other initiatives that uh, uh, at a center level we are taking, I think that's uh, giving good boost to strengthen our uh, reputation and build our uh, strong regime to protect data and protect the interest of all the stakeholders in the ecosystem. It is insightful to understand this. And I understand there's a lot of positivity with respect to, you know, acknowledgement of the data protection regime in India. And we have seen over the years, right, from the Kharak Singh judgment to the Puttaswami judgment, that how the concept of privacy has evolved over years. And how India, you know, during the last couple of years was battling with coming out with a rigorous and intensive data protection act. What do you see as some of the salient features of the DPDB Act, which has now been come into, which is now been enacted by the government? Sure. So, uh, the, one of the most important thing is that we have this act. Major element what I see in, in this act is uh, the linear legislation and the plain and straightforward language is being used in this uh, act actually, because it's becoming it's so easy to understand, interpret without not having too much jargons and the complex words over there, which as an end user in end user will not be able to understand and interpret. So from that perspective, this is one of the major, major uh, thing I'll say this act has brought on the table. Apart from that, uh, I'll definitely say it, it tried establishing a fine balance between the requirement of data processing, which is needed of our and uh, in the digital evolution, which is very important to have uh, quite enablement for the data processing, but at the same time establishing a fine balance with the protection of uh, data principles right. So I'll say uh, this act has tried establishing that fine balance. As this act is not so prescriptive in nature, which is also an uh, interesting element here, it's quite a rule-based thing. 
so which probably will lead us to incorporate evolution in future as well in this app apart from that if i talk about its applicability and all so definitely this uh, this is personal data protection act right where all the data in the digital form is covered under the gamut of this act but all the data which is collected uh, in non digital form but subsequently digitized is also falling under the gamut of this act which is also very interesting and even this act has extra territorial applicability with the processing of uh, uh, the data principles in india for any goods and services happening outside is also covered uh, under this act there are certain things this uh, act provide give leave it to for example personal and domestic purpose of data processing or data image available publicly by the data principle themselves or under under uh, any legal obligation so those kind of things it is uh, <coughs> not covering but um, another major aspect that i talk about here is uh, is the consent centric approach so this uh, act is uh, allowing data processing bases the consent that's the major element and it's revolving around the consent so consent is directly taken by the uh, from the data principle or certain legitimate usage if you remember the draft bill that was there there was a term called deemed consent now there's no nothing called deemed consent in this act but now we have a term for leg uh, certain legitimate usage i'll probably double click that as well but the date uh, consent centric approach to give a uh, lawful purpose of uh, data processing that's definitely there to enable and make it easy for for the end user the data principle to understand the consent and the notice uh, it's asking all the uh, asking notices to be given in all the 22 languages said languages right to nominate in case of incapacity of the data principle or uh, uh, in case of death of the uh, the data principle the right to nominate is also a very pertinent thing here which is which is a consideration in global uh, data protection regime as well but that's quite interesting because now data can lead to reputational loss and so many other things so even that person is not capable of handling that this with this approach the right can be sort of uh, maintained though there is a there is a need to be new to have a clarification on the till what generation this uh, right will be passed but probably will have uh, more clarity once rules are all are there but as of now this is quite interesting voluntary undertaking by the data process by the data fiduciary to the data protection board which is also interesting apart from that uh, the new element which got uh, proposed in this uh, in this act is consent manager consent managers are accountable to data principle this is something a uh, new element that got added to this uh, this law flexibility of data transfer earlier if you remember uh, during justice uh, bn sikrishna committee report data localization was one element now in this law cross border data sharing and flexibility of data transfer beyond national borders except to certain notified countries that's flexible exemption from applicability of uh, uh, this consent and all for certain purposes that's also given in this act and people are deliberating on that side as well uh as i was talking about this consent centric approach so if i just double click that part probably 
that law talked about consent sought after enactment to be accompanied or preceded preceded uh, preceded by the notice, which is definitely there. But this act is also talking about retrospective notices. So the data which is collected before in enactment of this law, uh, data fiduciary has to take consent uh, or provide notice, retrospective notice to the data principal on that front. But the law has given a leeway here as soon as it is reasonably uh, practicable to collect the consent. So those kind of things are uh, something unique we have in the in the act. Apart from that, if I see uh, nature of the consent, so we are clearly articulating here ease of giving consent and ease of withdrawal of consent. That uh, that should be at par. That means what generally what happens if we are uh, if we are onboarding on a service or a product, the ease of giving consent is quite easy actually, but getting uh, taking a withdrawal of that consent becomes very difficult. So here law talks about equating all, both these two things. Apart from having a free, specific, informed, unambiguous kind of notice, but this has to be considered. And uh, most of the things that would be required by a data principal to address their right, for example, uh, uh, the DPO's detail, data production officer's detail, or purpose for processing or manner of exercising law, uh, sorry, their rights, those kind of things are uh, should be given in the notice itself. So that is definitely given. Then there are certain legitimate, certain legitimate uh, usage they have prescribed where uh, the consent is not required, explicit consent is not required. For example, state instrumentalities and uh, uh, to provide the, some benefits to the data principle or certain things under the uh, any other Indian law or interest of the sovereignty, integrity, and security of the country, certain medical emergency, and so on and so forth. All those kind of things are there, which gives uh, that leave it to the data fiduciary to not take explicit consent and uh, process the data. Last thing that uh, I feel here is important is uh, the duties which is given to data principal. It's not just uh, all the liabilities and responsibilities lies on the head of uh, data fiduciary, it's also the duty of uh, data principal to comply with the applicable laws. It's not like data processor, data principal is giving any kind of information. They are responsible to not impersonate other person, not suppress any material information, and not lodge even frivolous complaints, and uh, furnish verifiable authentic information. All those kind of things are there in the law. So that's why I was saying it tried establishing quite a balance between the data processing side and uh, data principal side rights and responsibilities. Well, uh, Mr. Kumar, what I see, I understand that there are a lot of salient features under the Act. But what I see is that there's one provision which is Section 3, if I correctly remember the Act, which talks about the applicability of the Act. It clearly says that in certain cases where the, where the data principal sells puts his or her data in the public, then in such a case, the, the act will not be applicable. Yeah. Now, in today's scenario, there are data principles who are, you know, you have, you have people who are using social media at a very wide scale. They are putting all their private life, every you know, personal detail, the personal data outside in the open. In fact, yeah. I was reading the newspaper today and today, 
New York is the only, you know, it has become the first state to declare social media as a public health hazard because mm-hmm. people are posting everything, you know, all personal mm-hmm. data there. I see, personally see that as one of the challenges to the act. What what do you perceive is as, you know, are going to be the challenges in future when this act is totally enacted? Sure. On, on this particular thing that uh, this law is not at all applicable on the publicly available data, made available by the data principle. So yes, this bill is entirely not applicable on the publicly available personal data. Right? And the way this... Um, uh, the large language models, generative AI stuff is evolving in the ecosystem. That's becoming a, a debate across the across the globe, like, like how to protect that information. Sometimes the data being shared by the data principal in a public domain might not have been shared for certain purposes, right? Uh, original purpose of sharing the data was different and then it is consumed for different purposes. So that is still not there and if I remember it correctly most of the jurisdiction like uh, EU, Singapore, UK, Australia permits free use of publicly available personal data with some guidance around what is considered publicly available and data principle is still being able to exercise their rights. So that kind of blanket uh, state uh, exemption on one hand sometimes it's required for the technology to evolve because otherwise we'll restrict technology to evolve but at the same time some uh, safeguards are required to protect the usage of that particular data which is in public domain because sometimes unknowingly or we will share all those information so that's definitely one uh, concern area but apart from that uh, to answer your uh, larger question on the concerns and the challenges can evolve in terms of uh, uh, applicability and implementation of this law one one element is definitely the transition period, how much time we'll get to implement. So if you see Indian ecosystem, uh, it's quite uh, diverse in terms of digital footprint of those businesses. Large enterprises, IT, ITS companies, banking sector, if you look at and a couple of more sectors, enterprises who are large in nature already handling so much of data and even present across the globe or different part of the globe, they would be quite well prepared. But at the same time, MSMEs and the smaller players who have probably just entered in the digital arena, they might need some extra time. That is one element. Then it comes to domain and uh, the way they are processing and the way they are handling the data. That kind of thing, that kind of perspective will also uh, um, need to be considered to think about the transition time that is required for that particular sector, that particular vertical. So this uh, staggered or a phased approach, if that comes, probably some discussions are happening in the government as well. If uh, if that comes, probably that will help. If not, then it may create some challenges. Another thing, what I see in terms of uh, where we need some more clarity and uh, uh, some flexibility is the overall fintech evolution in the country, if you look at the B2B transaction processing industry. The digital public infrastructure, how it has evolved, or unbundling of transaction processing that has evolved, and especially the role being played by the fintech organizations, the innovative companies that are there. So, how it's happening actually? A single transaction uh, made on certain platform, many times as a user, we might not be aware what is the merchant involved in, in the processing and uh, 
what what kind of processing is happening for example if we are processing a request on some e-commerce website that uh, website that merchant is talking to my bank or some uh, financial institution to give me some sort of benefits which i'm interested to take but here the consent on the fly consent may create a lot of challenges and disrupt this whole process because it's so smooth that i might not be aware and i'll get that benefit and i'll come out of it that's what i need at that point in time so more than the consent that uh, safeguards has to be in place if we put the consent mechanism over there because uh, the data processor and the data fiduciary rules are getting exchanged in between so that can create bit challenge to carry on with this kind of smooth functioning so that clarity is required apart from that uh, uh, withdrawal of consent is also a concern area i'll say the clarity would be required sometimes especially if i take example of say healthcare sector this act says if i remember it correctly it's a uh, subsection 6 of section 6 a uh, withdrawal of consent data fiduciary shall cease the processes or cease to process personal data and cause its uh, data processor to also cease the uh, process of personal data and here any any uh i think consequences of withdrawal of the consent has to be warned uh, by the data principal that's given but many times withdrawal of the consent i was taking example of healthcare as a uh, sector just one example complete deletion of that healthcare record may create challenge at the later stage because uh, provisioning of healthcare services needs that comprehensive record not like one piece of record got deleted it would become difficult for processing of that uh, information so those kind of scenarios where that uh, blanket withdrawal of the consent and the deletion of the consent because processing in our act is also defined as the storage so storage is also processing so once deleted there's no processing happening it has to be deleted because storage is also a processing mechanism then provisioning of the services would become difficult and it can create a major repercussions for the data principal itself so those kind of things are uh, something that we need to look at uh apart from that if i if i recall um, uh on the consent requirements probably notice and consent uh, both aspects if we look at that flexibility would be required and probably we'll have more clarity once rules and notifications are there from the central government where mode of provisioning of notice should not be so restrictive right where it should be based on the effectiveness and the efficiency of the services being offered sometimes if we are collecting the data offline converting it digitally later on the way of giving consent and notice will totally change all those kind of things i think we should uh, consider that may create uh, some trouble in terms of implementation uh sometimes breach notification would also become tricky here uh, we are not saying that the breach notification should not go but the risk factor risk based reporting should be considered probably because uh, many times if uh, just take example of if encrypted data gets leaked and there's no harm uh, coming out of it then notification may create challenge because everybody will not be able to interpret so how to how to go about that 
that is also one of the element that we need to deliberate and we'll have more clarity again once rules are there. Many times, and in this act, uh, which is a unique feature where everything is happening between um, data principal and data fiduciary, and data fiduciary and data processor are connected through maybe a contractual obligation and contract, right? So sometimes the joint responsibility of uh, data fiduciary and data processor uh, or changing role of data fiduciary in between, that needs to be clarified, kind of a joint data fiduciary kind of thing. So that clarity is also required. One point I would like you to highlight is mm -hmm. that, you know, when you read the obligations of data fiduciary under the Act, one of the obligations of data fiduciary under the Act is to make sure that reasonable security safeguards are maintained. Mm -hmm. Not because you are working with Data Security Council of India. Can you highlight us highlight on the point that what are the emerging trends and technologies? You know, what are the reasonable what do you mean by reasonable security safeguards in these cases? See, reasonable security safeguards uh, are totally depending on what kind of data they are dealing with and what kind of infrastructure they are, they are dealing with. So, in the Indian ecosystem, if you look at uh, various kind of uh, starting, say, for example, encryption of the data or anonymizing the data or pseudonymizing the data, all those kind of things, access limitations for that matter, right? How are we enabling uh, purpose limitation in the organization itself? How are we uh, enabling the privilege access management? Nobody who is relevant to access that information is accessing that information. How can we uh, provide the tools and technologies in place so that only right set of people are accessing those information even in my organization? Same, if I am pass passing on that information to my third parties, what kind of tools and technologies are in place to ensuring the data at rest, data in transit, and data in processing are getting uh, secure. For example, uh, homomorphic encryption kind of thing, which is allowing uh, allowing processing of data on the encrypted data. If that is possible to implement, and uh, my data processor is only required to have uh, that kind of information, which can be leveraged through homomorphic morphic encryption, that gives that uh, confidence and that that is something uh, as a security safeguard and practices we need to follow right so starting from encryption to anonymization pseudo anonymization what kind of uh, data sorry privacy principles we have and for each privacy principle what kind of tools and technologies we are deploying i see so now because we have discussed the salient features as we have discussed the challenges we have discussed what can be a reasonable security safeguard I would also want to understand, now that this act is in place, do you see that there are certain revisions or amendments which might be needed in any of the provisions of the act? Uh, on that front too, early to say, we just have this law. And one good thing I'll say, which may avoid a uh, lot of revision to the act itself, that's that's a rule-based uh, uh, legislation, right? Where we'll have a lot of uh, delegated legislations and the rules which will make it uh, quite relevant for the ecosystem. Uh, more than more than revision and the amendments to the law, I'll say amendments and uh, uh, the upgrades of the tools that may serve the purpose. And that will also give the flexibility to all the stakeholders to come in and uh, uh, keep sharing all this information 
uh, with the government to to suggest what kind of rules should be there. But um, on the flip side of that, if I say it should not create uh, a regulatory uncertainty because uh, rules should not be updated uh, again and again so that we need to have a slightly a longer mid to long term view in the in the mind while we are uh, formulating those rules and i'm assuming that uh, that's the consideration government will be taking care that's a very valid point mr vara taken that on board uh, you know to conclude it i would like to say that as india continues its digital transformation journey the trajectory of its data protection law promises to shape a future where privacy is not just a right but a cornerstone of a secure and innovative digital ecosystem thank you mr kumar for sharing your valuable thoughts with us today i'm sure our listeners are privy to the exciting intricate world of data protection law in india that we'll continue this discussion further with you sometime in future for sure thanks thanks for having me here and it was really a great discussion thank you all for listening in stay tuned for more in the upcoming episodes on various other facets of technology and the law goodbye thank you for joining us today you can reach out to us through our website www.foxmandal.in or drop an email at podcast@foxmandal.in until next time stay curious keep learning and make a positive impact through your endeavors goodbye